0: Welcome to the 22nd edition of HGF's Fashionably IP podcast. My name's Rebecca Field. I'm a Chartered Trademark Attorney at IP law firm HGF, and I'm joined by my colleague Lee Curtis, also a Chartered Trademark Attorney at HGF.
1: Hello.
0: As you know, the Fashionably IP podcast has been developed from the success of the Fashion and IP LinkedIn Group, which is run by us and now has over 15,000 members, including many of the leading IP council across the world, both in-house and in private practice. This podcast series finds inspiration from the subjects commented on in that group. If you are not a member of the Fashion IP group, please find it amongst the groups on LinkedIn and simply apply to join. Also, please don't forget our Retail Plus IP LinkedIn group, which discusses IP stories in the retail sector and does often touch on fashion retail. Now, to be clear, this podcast is not legal advice, And if you have any queries on the points we have raised, please contact us directly at either rfield at hdf.com or lee at alcurtis at hdf.com. Now, we are starting a series of podcasts on what loosely can be described as explaining IP law in the fashion sector via a series of objects. In this podcast, we are going to start the series by concentrating on the humble trainer, or if you are based in North America in particular, the sneaker. We are going to discuss the various IP rights which could apply to such an object and some of the case laws surrounding this object of fashion, and the trainer or sneaker is undoubtedly an object of fashion. Further objects we will discuss include a dress, a women's shoe, a handbag, and potentially a piece of jewellery. Now, we may occasionally in the months to come intersperse this series of podcasts with interviews and if a big fashion case comes up, then we will in turn Um, discuss that case. However, we firstly do have to tell you a little bit about HGF once again. We appreciate that many of our listeners have heard this all before, but for those who have not, I'm sure that you want to hear all about HGF.
1: So HGF, well, HGF is one of the leading IP firms in Europe. Uh, We have offices in the United Kingdom, the Republic of Ireland, the Netherlands, France, Germany, Austria and Switzerland. We manage the ip portfolios of many of the world's leading companies and can do all things ip whether that is clearing your ip registering your ip or indeed enforcing your ip now back to rebecca ip matters and trainers
0: thanks lee so in this 20 second podcast we're going to be discussing trainers and or sneakers and the ip rights which apply to them why is the sneaker market so important? And why has it been the center of some of the most interesting IP issues, Lee?
1: Thanks, Rebecca. Well, according to Grand uh, View Research, the global sneaker market in two thousand twenty-one was estimated to total seventy-eight point five nine billion US dollars. And in two thousand twenty-two it was estimated to total eighty-five point five billion US dollars. The global sneaker market is expected to grow at a compound rate of five point two percent and reach 128.3 billion US dollars by 2030. Now with that value of market there is a lot of valuable IP to protect. In an article published on the 27th of April 2023 by Starlight Williams in the National Geographic magazine, the origins of the modern sneaker or trainer could be traced back to 1860s England when the former footwear was developed for use uh, in croquet or on tennis courts. For a long time, trainers were merely used for sport only. When and why did they develop into an item of fashion? Well, the modern fashion sneaker culture, as Starlight Williams states in her article, developed in the 1970s and 1980s, with the rise of athlete endorsed sneakers or trainers. The launch of Air Jordans by Nike, endorsed by Michael Jordan in 1984, being the most visible example. However, as well as Nike or Nike, Well-known companies such as Adidas and Puma have successfully ridden the wave of fashion associated with the sneaker or trainer culture. With the growth of this market, a number of IP issues have arisen. We will discuss this later, but it might be good now to discuss uh, the possible core IP rights which apply to sneakers or trainers, Rebecca.
0: Thanks, Lee. While concentrating on UK and EU law, Probably the most applicable IP rights to trainers and sneakers are design rights, both registered and unregistered. With regards to registered designs, one can obviously register the whole sneaker or trainer. Generally, we advise that line drawings are best to cover the design of a trainer or sneaker, as they are often viewed as clearer by the courts. If colour is an element of a design, one can protect that as a separate design as part of multiple design applications in the UK and EU. Also, do not forget to protect elements of the sneaker or trainer design separately to enhance protection. For example, elements of the design such as the heel, sole or upper can be separately registered, utilising dotted lines as disclaimers and again these elements can form part of for multiple design applications before the UK IPO and EU IPO. With regards to unregistered designs, such rights come about on the disclosure to the public. Now for UK unregistered design right, which lasts 10 years from the design first becoming made available to the public and which covers shape and configuration, the ownership of such rights is limited to UK nationals or the nationals of a limited number of countries. Further, to obtain UK unregistered design right, which protects elements of design beyond shape and configuration and lasts three years, one must disclose a design in the UK for the first time. So for a non-UK company this might make them consider global simultaneous disclosure as there is now some debate whether to obtain EU unregistered design rights which protects elements of shape, configuration, colours, lines and contours one must first disclose in the EU. Finally, do not forget copyright which could protect some artistic elements of the sneaker or trainer design and indeed position trademarks. Adidas have utilised position trademarks to a large degree. One can protect the position of certain elements on the trainer or sneaker via a trademark registration. So, Lee, I have talked about unregistered design rights protecting sneaker and trainer designs. Is there any specific issues one should take into account when considering this form of protection?
1: Thank you for raising that question, Rebecca. Now, because unregistered design right is by definition an unregistered right, it is often a problem to assess exactly what the unregistered design right covers. For example, one might look at the design for a sneaker and have to consider what elements of the design are protectable. Does one compare the whole of the design, for example, to the prior art or a potential latter-release design? Can one concentrate on certain elements of the design separately? What impact does function have on the comparison of the designs? Taking the first two questions together, there was once a problem that one design of a sneaker or trainer could in theory a. protect the whole design and b. an infinite number of elements or parts of the design. Dealing with point b, a decision of the Court of Justice of the European Union, the CJEU, in 2021 in Ferrari SPA versus um, Masonry Design and Holding GmbH Held that parts of a design can benefit from EU unregistered design right protection if the impression of those parts were not lost in the overall design. Essentially, they would have to be defined. For a sneaker or a trainer, this could be a heel, sole, or an upper, for example. So when comparing designs with unregistered design right protection, one should not only consider the whole of the trainer or sneaker, but defined elements thereof. However, An owner of an EU unregistered design right cannot claim an infinite number of unregistered design rights in any one design or trainer. Also, the impact of functional elements of a design of a sneaker or trainer should not be overlooked. If an element of the design is functional, then that element will have a lesser impact or no impact in any consideration of whether the designs give the same overall impression. So, Rebecca, are there any IP issues particularly which apply to the sneaker or trainer markets?
0: Well, Lee, one area is the customization of trainers and sneakers, which is a particular feature of the sneaker culture. One of the most notable cases concerning customization of a genuine product was the dispute between Lil Nas X and Nike, when Lil Nas X and New York-based art collective MSCHF sold customised Nike sneakers sold as so-called Satan shoes. Now, ultimately, this dispute was settled, But the question of customisation of sneakers is tied up with questions of the exhaustion of rights doctrine in the UK and EU and the first sale doctrine in the US. If the sneaker or trainer concerned has been so customised to change the nature of the original sneaker sold and marketed by the IP rights holder, then it would appear that rights holder has a reasonable basis of succeeding in an IP rights infringement claim to stop the customisation and the resale of that product. Now obviously, IP rights owners have to accept that customization is to a degree part of sneaker culture and there is a question of when and where one enforces your rights so as not to penalise fans of the brand and also cause a PR backlash. So, any takeaways from these discussions, Lee?
1: Well, I think what these series of podcasts is trying to show is that each product in the fashion world does have particular peculiarities and particular IP issues. We have discussed this need with examples in sneakers and trainers and one not only has to consider the whole product with regards to IP protection but also elements of it. Also the sneaker and trainer market has a particular culture which has to be taken into account for example with regards to customization, which raises particular IP issues.
0: Thanks Lee. We hope you've enjoyed our 22nd Fashionably IP podcast and more will follow in the months to come. Please do feel free to share this podcast and please also rate it on the various platforms. Also feel free, if you've not already done so, to listen back to our previous podcast episodes. And also, please apply to join the Fashion and IP and Retail and IP LinkedIn groups. Thanks very much for listening.
1: Goodbye.